Psalm 14 begins like this. It says, Psalm 14, a Psalm of David. Those first few words are important for us because it tells us who wrote the psalm. And then it says beyond that, it says, uh, for a choir director. Now, normally that would mean for us that we would give it to Jeremy or Tara, who's doing our worship today. Tara's actually in Costa Rica worshiping right now. But the idea here is when you look at this particular psalm, it's actually for the, the chief choir director. Do you know who that is? That's God. And that's where God wants us today is he wants to receive, he wants to receive our hearts today. And I think you'll see that in the text. The text is very unique in uh, seven verses and we're going to walk through them, each one, one at a time. And here's the beginning of it. It says this, only fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. That's where we begin today, but here's what I want you to think before, is I want you to think about if you believe in God, I want you to think about what you do each and every day for God. That's the idea. If you believe in God, then you should have a relationship with God, and I think that's where the text will take us as believers. Non-believers are challenged to say, oh, well, there is a God that maybe gives me purpose. So let's submit this before the Lord. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that you give us a book of Psalms that have all kinds of emotion, all kinds of passion, anger and sadness, joy and forgiveness. And Father, we ask that you use today these words that you have for us to build a solid foundation for your kingdom. Help us understand the meaning of life for you and the purpose and the significance that you have in our, our lives today, Lord. So what we do is we offer all that we are and all that we have, we put it at the foot of the cross today and ask in your glorious name that you show us your will and that you grow us so that we can be closer to you. In Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Without God, what would this world be like? Even if you were a human being, and you found value in this life, if there was no God, even the universe would have no point or no purpose. Even if you could find it in this life, like raising kids, being a school teacher, you know, serving at uh, youth groups and stuff, even you could, might find purpose, but the truth is, without God, there would be no purpose. Let me give you an example of what I mean. It would be like you being the starring role of a play that has no plot or no script. You're just out there saying and doing whatever you want, and you're the star, but you really don't have a script. There would be no purpose for the play because people wouldn't know well, what's it about. The truth is, though, that God has given us a script. And he has given us a purpose and a role and a meaning. And that's kind of where we start today. No God, there's no point in this world. And that's what David is trying to communicate. But I want, what I want to do is I want to kind of, I want to bring this before you. What are you doing with God Monday through Saturday? It's easy to worship God while you're at church, right? We kind of force the worship. They sing songs. People are standing around giving this offering before the Lord. But is it easy to worship on Monday or Friday night, Saturday morning, Thursday, 
what do you do before God? Because I think that's what David would communicate to believers in this text. Only a fool says there is no God. All right. So we are so excited that you're here today. Welcome. We're doing this sermon series called the Psalms of Summer. What are the Psalms purpose? If you were a theologian like some are, the purpose of Psalms is for the emotion, the passion, and all the interesting topics that we see in the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms in the Bible. Do you know that 70 of those are sad and anger? Do you know that that's an appropriate, uh, uh, it's appropriate for you to be sad and angered? with God and in a relationship with God and beyond that there's forgiveness there's steadfast love and today I want to communicate to you about living a life with God every day every hour every minute and every second of your life because I believe those that understand that and do that have a greater uh, purpose and a greater relationship with God and in that they seem to be able to uh, minimize the things of this world and glorify God in all the trials and tribulations first service it was a dud for me that was just how it was I struggled so you know what the best thing about two services is you get to try it again so let's pray for those in first service that they got something because I started differently and I was like doggy paddling trying to catch back to my point but I believe you guys are going to get the better version of what I tried to say first service so let's give it up for God for that if you're new here I'm just as surprised that I'm the pastor than you are so I'm also surprised about that but that's what God does when you try and seek him in every part of your life he takes you to places that you would never put your place in and that you would never allow yourself to to communicate so we are on a mission from God to love this world because the Bible says it's the kindness, the loving kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not my me browbeating you or another Christian browbeating saying, hey, follow the word of God. It's by loving you so that that will lead you to a place of repentance. And what happens is we want to love you so well that you will learn to love yourself and passionately change your world around you. And the only way that you can change the world around you is by changing yourself. You know, I've been so blessed to be married to a beautiful wife and have three girls. And the only way that I can bless their life is to be the best man I can possibly be. And you know what? Being a father, you know how many mistakes I made week in and week out. And you know how many times I had to ask my kids for forgiveness and my wife on a regular to ask for forgiveness. But that's what we do. And we do that with love and we grow each and every time so that we can passionately change the world. Our mission is to love the world, but our vision is that you will become so touched by God that you will start to change your world and the worlds around you and the people's world around you because we believe that's how powerful God is. And so let me ask you the question, what is the meaning of life? I, I love this. Uh, uh, part of my job is to do... Um, um, life celebrations, funerals, whatever you want to call them. Um, and part of, uh, a lot of times I ask this question to people because I say this, uh, when I do weddings, nobody listens to the pastor. Nobody cares. They, they just want to get to the dance floor and to the drinks. Nobody cares. Get it on, move on, you know. And so I try and do it in 20 minutes and people are like, that was the best one because I didn't even know you were talking. And so... 
But when I do, when I do a, a life celebration as someone that passed away, you know what? Everybody pays attention because we're all a breath or two away from that place, right? And so I ask this question, well, what is the meaning of life? As you say goodbye to somebody that you love, you have to understand what is the purpose of life? So what does meaning mean? Does that make sense? It's, I know it's awkward. What does meaning mean? I'm a dyslexic man, so I have to frame out my words so I don't um, jack them up. But what does meaning mean? Here's the definition for Christians. So if you call yourself a believer, if you believe there is a God and you're not a fool in your heart, Here's what it means. It means to have purpose and significance. You have to have purpose and significance. That's the meaning. Now, one of the ways that we can go back to purpose is if you go back to Jeremy's message on Memorial Day weekend, he talked about purpose. If you guys were here, you remember it was a wonderful message about purpose, and it was about uh, Jeremiah 29. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody kind of posts on their wall and puts on their heart, I know God has plans for me, and it's to prosper and to live this beautiful life. But the truth is, when you read the verses around it, it says something a little bit differently. And here's what it says. Jeremy did a great job, and I suggest if you didn't hear that message that I would load it up on your, uh, you know, the podcast and listen to it because he was talking about these people that were to prosper were in a, in a nation that was against their God. They were in a society that didn't believe the way that they believed, and they were still to prosper and plant and know the beauty of God. And here's some of the, the verses. It says this in verse 8, Jeremiah 29. Build homes in Babylon. Babylon is not Jerusalem. They were in a foreign town that believed in a different God. Build homes, plant gardens, eat the food produced, marry, have children, be fruitful and multiply, and work at peace and prosperity in a city that doesn't believe your values and your vision for the God that you believe in. That's how you find purpose. And Joe Jeremy's message was fantastic. But how do you find purpose and significance in the meaning of life when you look at it? You know, one of my favorite uh, people that, that talk about the meaning of life is a man named Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was uh, a man that was in uh, concentration camps during World War II. And at one point, his family was sent to this side and he was sent to this side. His family was dead within 24 hours, and for whatever reason, he lived. He happened to be a psychologist, and he went through this whole trauma by himself and found the meaning of life, even though his family died. And the question is, do you have that type of meaning of life? Now, you might call yourself a believer and say, yeah, I have purpose and significance, but do you? Because it says here, only a fool says in your heart that there is no God, and, and they're evil and corrupt, but are you a fool on Monday morning when you live for your own life and your own way and act like there is no God? Are you a fool in your life when Friday night is uh, time to, to boogie down, boogie down productions, right? My friend has a, a whole other story. Uh, the idea here is to try and live for God every hour, every minute, and every second of every day. If there is no God, then there is no purpose and there's no significance and then there's no reason for me to be up here. Let's go and have tacos. No? Okay, let's not. We'll continue. 
But that's where we struggle. And I feel like Christianity today struggles with living for God 24-7. Something happened during COVID where we all took a pause and we kind of have this feeling that I can take a pause with God and I can just put back on my God shirt and jeans and shoes and act like I'm a Christian on Sunday. But the rest of the week, I'm just gonna live for me and I'm gonna follow my plan and my purpose and I'm gonna find significance in what I do. And I hope God joins me. But what happens is, God doesn't want to join you. John, God wants you to join him. And in that, you find value, you find significance, and you find purpose. Let me give you an example of what that means. Have you ever been hiking? We got any hikers in the place? Anybody like to hike? You know, we've got hundreds and hundreds of miles of great hiking. Like Michelle said, we live in this incredible place where in Thousand Oaks to Santa Barbara, there's just hundreds of miles of hiking. And one of the things that you do when you hike is sometimes you see three stacked rocks. Now, I just found a cool picture of three stacked rocks. And when you come upon three stacked rocks, they either have a purpose and significance or they don't. Let me give you the example. So you're trying to find that waterfall when you go to with T.O. and you're trying to find it and you're on the trail and maybe someone says, hey, it's beyond those three stacked rocks. If somebody stacked those three rocks for a purpose to notify that you're on the trail and you're heading in the right direction, those three stacked rocks were there for a reason. They have purpose and significance. If not, if they were randomly put together like these were, it's beautiful, but that's all it really is. It doesn't have meaning and purpose. A friend of mine texted me from first service. He said, those are called Karens, not the Karen that you're seeing on the internet, that, that kind of Karen. <laughs> you got that? Not that kind of Karen, but it's, a sh it's to show you that someone is stacking them on the trail to show you you're going in the right direction. And I believe that's what God is saying. Only a fool would say there is no God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come on Sunday and act like there is a God. Does that make sense? Are you following evil things during the week or are you following the glory of God? And I believe that's what David is trying to communicate to us in Psalm 14. And he's asking this question. Do you have a meaning in life? Do you have significance in who you are? And do you understand, even if you don't think you do, you realize that God is using you in, in ways. Sometimes he uses you in a negative way because of your behavior. He teaches people, mm, I don't want to be like that. And a lot of times he uses Christians to be the positive light in this world. And so that's where we begin today. Only a fool says there is no God. And for us, only a fool says there is no God every day but Sunday. We've got to live every day for Jesus Christ. How many of us, and I'm not looking for a show of hands because this would be embarrassing, how many of us wake up and live for our own life and forget God and go, ugh, I should have prayed. Mon uh, yesterday we had a group of men that were uh, uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning, which was really early, uh, communicating, and one of the questions that Kyle, the, the guy that was leading, said is, do you guys invite God into your day each and every day, or do you tend to follow your own plan? We all tend to forget, right? We forget about God and then go, oh man, I should have gone to God. I should have prayed to God. I should have asked God. I should have sought God. But what happens is the world gets in our way. 
So the Hebrew word here for fool is called Nabal. Now, if you're a Bible theologian, uh, you know that this Nabal is the Hebrew word for fool. It's actually a character in the Bible also. First Samuel chapter uh, 25, verse 25. There's this guy, his, his name happens to be Nabal, and King David comes upon him, and he says, hey, can I get some bread and some wine and some cheese to survive? And Nabal's like, who are you? And he knew who King David was. He was just being stubborn. Nabal in Hebrew, the definition of a fool, actually means aggressive stubbornness. Who's stubborn here? My wife was the first to raise her hand. Well, God is speaking to us. Thank you, Jesus. That's going to go over at lunch well today. So Nabal is uh, this man, his name actually means fool, and he actually is an aggressive, stubborn person. And the idea of this word fool in the Bible in Psalm 14 is a moral one. The fool is a moral fool, not an intellectual one. A lot of times when we say fool, uh, we think, oh, they must be just this dumb jester type that makes everybody laugh. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about are you morally connected to God or are you morally disconnected to God? And that's what we see in this word. We are fools to think that there is no God and that we don't need him daily. Christians today have taken a pause in their relationship regularly. Do you know that most people are attending church one every seven weeks now? That's normal for most people. Before COVID, it was two times a month. Since COVID, people are struggling to get back regularly. It's not because they don't love God. It's just life and everything has gotten in the way and they've learned to take a pause and or watch it online. And the truth is, online is good. Welcome if you're online. We love having you. But in person is so much better because there's fellowship and there's joy and there's worship that really hits our soul and it helps us get connected to God. When we don't have meaning in life, we don't have value and significance and what happens is we tend to be wandering souls lost each and every day. But when we have purpose and significance, when we are walking on that trail and we see those three rocks and we know that we're going in the right path, then we tend to have a lot of purpose and meaning and then there becomes great significance. God is the only thing in this world that can add value to you in your life. The only thing. I have a wonderful spouse and I've got wonderful girls and Two of my girls got husbands and they are, you know, it's, it's, it's seriously a joy to see my girls happy and married and all that. And, and my wife is an incredible wife, but the only thing that really brings value to me is how I worship God and how I, I, I offer myself to him. And in that, then I can have a wonderful relationship with my marriage. But it starts with me and God first, that vertical relationship, so things in this world can be fixed in the horizontal relationship. Here's what verse 2 says. This is a scary one for those that don't really know who God is or aren't really paying attention to what God is doing. Psalm 14, 2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone is seeking God. That's what he's trying to communicate. He's like, is anybody wise and is anybody seeking God? That's the crazy thing about God when we open it up. While humans wish to forget about God Monday through Saturday, God is looking down upon us every day and asking himself, why do you guys always forget about me? 
Why am I the last to come to? Why do you disrespect our relationship? God is always observing, looking down from heaven, looking on this world, realizing that we're suffering with sin like the suffering servant did, though he didn't have sin. He's looking, is anyone truly seeking me? We have a wonderful uh, uh, character in the Bible. Uh, his name's the Apostle Paul. He was a real person, and he knew the gospel. And in, in Romans chapter 3, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, no one is truly wise, and no one is seeking God. Now, I say that to a church that I believe is trying to seek God. I see 30 people show up on a Thursday night uh, to study the New Testament, and Jeremy's doing a wonderful class in the New Testament. I see people trying to do more for God. There's, you know, 30 people, men at, at uh, the, the hangout yesterday morning trying to do more for God. The idea is, is anybody seeking it? I know that we are, but the question is how much and is it enough? If you're not finding fulfillment in what you're doing, then maybe there's something that's blocking you and your relationship to God. He is looking down, and the Apostle Paul says it, is no one is truly wise, no one is really seeking God. There's a man that uh, his name is N.T. Wright, like New Testament, N.T. Wright. And he makes this statement, and, and, and N.T. Wright might be the smartest man with regards to the New Testament in the country today. He's, he's kind of become really popular. A lot of people don't like the way that he's studying the New Testament, but he's uncovering some things that are really radical in the way that we are worshiping God and that we're seeing it. And here's what N.T. Wright says in this quote. He says, those who choose to live without God, those that are fools that say in their heart there is no God, those who choose to live without God will one day find that they have forfeited their likeness to him one day I'm going to wake up and if I continue to drift away from God I'm going to go where is he and I'm not going to see him feel him understand him I'm not going to find purpose and significance because I'm wandering and lost in my own life and my own struggles and I'm not bringing any of that to God and one day I'm going to wake up and hopefully not it's not at the pearly gates where he says I don't know you that's the biggest struggle. Hopefully you have time to recalibrate and reconnect to God because that's what he wants. Uh, uh, verse three says this. It says, but no, no to what? No one is really seeking God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. What does that mean? What, what does that mean to you? No one is doing good. No one's seeking God. What it means to me is I look at Romans 3 again and I look at Romans 20, uh, 3, 23 and it says, all of us are sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. And that includes every pastor in this world, every pastor on every stage, every politician, every human in this world, all of us are sick with sin and all of us fall short. And so David is trying to reinvigorate us. You have meaning, you have purpose and significance. You have been stacked as rocks somewhere in your neighborhood or in your home or in your relationships so that others can see the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. And here's the thing. It takes some effort to have a good relationship. Friends, spouses, boyfriend, girlfriend, kids, parents, it takes work. And so do you not think it's going to take work to have a relationship with God? A lot of us know that God's there 
and we know that he's kind of out there watching us, good or bad. But he's just wanting to have his children reach out and build that relationship so that you can start to trust him and, and, and work through that relationship so that when bad news and bad things happen, you can cling to the one and only Alpha and Omega that changes anything and has the ability to do wonderful things in our life. When God looks down from heaven, what is he looking at in your life? When he looks down from heaven, is he scratching his head going, hmm, is anybody good here? I'm looking out at this church and is anybody good? And I'm not God, trust me. I got my own issues. He's looking at me going, you're preaching? <laughs> He's asking the question, does anybody understand me? Is anybody uh, seeking me? Is anybody opening up their Bible and asking God to speak and not study, but just like, God, speak to me and, and help me as I'm growing in my relationship with you? Some of us wish that God would stop bugging us, right? Why are you always bugging me? That's called conviction. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you to get right with God and get back on track because apart from God, we have no meaning and purpose. I'm playing a role in a play with no script and, 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 and uh, no agenda, and so I'm just wandering, acting like everybody's enjoying it. And the truth is, there's no enjoyment apart from God. And God is pulling us back, church, so that we can come together and do wonderful things. Have you ever thought of this? What would it look like uh, to be a day without God? Have you ever thought about that? What would the world look like? There was a movie that was very similar to this. It was called uh, The Day Without Mexicans. Anybody ever remember this movie? 2004, it's an interesting movie. And all it does, it shows a culture of hardworking people that there was a day without Mexicans. And you know what? American has built with all kinds of people that have been hard workers. You have Irish, you have uh, Italians, you have black, you have uh, a uh, Asians, you have Mexicans. Our culture is built. And this movie just takes this, this group of people, A Day Without Mexicans, and I don't know if you guys have remember this movie or not. I'm not telling you to go watch it because it's not super great, but the plot is incredible because by the end of the movie, after 24 hours, you see how impactful just one culture being gone changes the world. It's incredible. But I'm not trying to promote the movie. I'm asking you, what would it be like with A Day Without God? It'd be no good. There'd be no love because God defined love by sending his son into the world. So love would be gone. Whatever love idea there's out there in the world, it would be gone because the actual love that we know, the Bible says God is love, it would be gone. There would be no grace. There would be no mercy. There would be no human rights since the way that we know them because we know that Christ and God have helped us understand human rights. There would be no women's rights. Women would be treated horrible. Can I get an Amen. I don't have to beg for that because that's how they would be treated. All you got to do is look back 2,000 years and see how women were treated and you will see that it's not going to get any better without God. So there would be no hospitals the way they are, there are no schools, there would be no religion, there would be no godly morals, there would just be chaos. So have you ever pondered the idea what would the world be like without God and what would the world be like without you? You have value. 
for whatever reason God has put you in your neighborhood and your homes and in, in, in this county and he's asking you and challenging you do you realize that you have great value and that he needs you God brings so much to this human race and he uses every one of his believers in this world every one of us to be the fabric and to hold this world together do you understand that? Even if you don't find significance, your kind act of putting your, your grocery cart back after you do it. Do you guys do that, by the way? Well, somebody's not, because I ran into one the other day in the thing, so <laughs> must be that other church down the road. <laughs> but you're, you're in this world for a reason, and God wants to utilize you. He brings so much value, and David is asking us this question, and here's what I want to challenge you. Do you understand this? Do you understand that God is using you in a way that is to bring God's love into this world? Do you realize, I, I feel like listening to Francis Chan, I don't know if you guys know who Francis Chan is, but he says, do you grasp that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe, the one that breathes stars and, and galaxies in one breath, the one that is called the Alpha and Omega, the one that actually has the ability to change anything on a dime, to stop the world, to part the seas, to stop the addicted from being addicted? that you have the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And David is challenged. Only a fool would say that God isn't alive and working. You have the opportunity to worship God every second of your life, every minute of your life, every hour of your life, so that you can find more and more purpose and significance. And the truth is, as Americans, we don't do it because we're busy. I got Netflix, you know, we got you know, things to do after church, make money, relationships, hobbies. And the truth is all David is trying to do is realize that don't act like a fool that's not worshiping and seeking God. Verse four, will those who uh, do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread and they wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. David realizes this, that all of humanity has fallen. We have fallen and we have fallen short because this world is riddled with sin. And he asks this question, will the wicked or evil people ever learn? Do you, do you guys learn? You know what I learned from? Making mistakes. And I have to go, ugh man I keep making the same mistake am I going to learn from that mistake or is God going to continually put me into that place and that's what he's saying is will you learn David understood that evil withholds us from truly knowing God evil blocks the knowledge and wisdom of God because we are so invested in things of this world what are you doing in your life that is giving you this foolish behavior that's stopping your relationship with God what are you doing how much time are you putting into God versus other things in this world? How much time are you spending praying and seeking and wanting? And, and, and how much time are you doing other things? The evil will chew up the godly and we are going to suffer. And the Bible says they don't even think to pray. And I feel like sometimes Christians forget to pray. How often do you struggle and you're like, man, I just need to pray and then it never happens. And then you run into someone and they say, oh, let's pray about it. And you're like, oh, man, 
I should have just started to pray and watch God work. The question that David, I think, is asking me today, and I hope it's, uh, uh, hope it's hitting you too, is have you fallen? You know the old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up? The question is, where are we at in our relationship with God today, post-COVID, heading in a direction to, I hate to say this, another election season? And are we going to be the ones that rise above and be that suffering servant as Christ suffered? Or are we going to be the one that makes others suffer? Do we let evil lead us in our lives? Or do we even pray and seek and ask God's advice or wisdom? If you're having a relational problem right now, maybe ask God what he wants you to do. If you're having a problem with your heart and feeling disconnected, maybe ask God what to do. If you're having a problem in your finances, maybe ask God what to do. If you're lonely and lost, maybe seek God. Only a fool says in his heart there is no God. And for Christians, we've got to find him each and every day of our life. So what is purpose and significance? What is the meaning of life? We live in a fallen world. And there's this, uh, I love this guy, Timothy Keller. I mean, in the last couple years, I've really fallen in love with him again. It's somebody that I just like cherish. And recently he died and I was like brokenhearted. And I've been listening to podcasts and really kind of growing in this relationship. And Timothy Keller says this. He says, the purpose of life is to suffer. And how you suffer really shows how you live your life. Christ came into this world to only suffer for you and I so that you can have a relationship. People that don't believe, those that are foolish that don't believe in God, they try and protect themselves so that there's no suffering. Secular people in the world try and make money and, 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 and get insurance and do all these things to protect themselves so that there's no suffering. But guess what? We're all gonna suffer. I don't know about you, but I can guarantee you that everybody in this room has suffered at some level. Some are suffering right now. And the beauty is we have a suffering servant that we get to cling to. His name's Jesus Christ. He suffered so that you and I know how to suffer. And then because of that, I have meaning and significance and I can follow him and know that he is my rock. The Lord Jesus Christ is the rock on which all life is built on. I love that. Psalm 18 says this, the Lord lives. You guys know that Jesus is alive right now? Do you guys feel that? That there's power in the name of Jesus and he is here and he is living. And here's what this verse says, Psalm 1846 the Lord lives praise my rock may the may the God of my salvation be exalted here's what God wants to do is he wants to grow us and raise us and build our life upon the rock is your life built on the rock or is it not verse 5 says terror terror will grip them for God is with those who obey him what is he saying here? In, in, in the text here, God is not with the evil, but God is with the generations of the righteousness. And all that means, the generation of the right, righteousness is, God is with those who obey. The, 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 the job of a pastor and the job of a, a Bible study leader and the job of a discipler of Jesus Christ is to teach people obedience. That's all that we can do. And one of the ways that I teach people be, uh, to be obedient is me trying to be obedient. Trying. I said try. I'm not always obedient. 
That's what we're supposed to do. And in that, we get to exalt God because we learn that God is with those that are obedient. The evil or wicked seem strong and confident. Don't you see people that are not living for God and they seem like they're confident, strong, and they have the world? And the truth is, they're struggling because they can't erase the realization that God is with the generation of the righteous or God is with those that obey. That's who God is. As smart as the human race is, and we are smart. Man, we are, we are doing incredible things with technology and biotech and how we're living and farming and all these things that we're doing in this world. But we aren't as smart as God because everyone has to wrestle with the fact that one day that God is the ultimate authority in every part of our life. If he is the beginning and the end, he was there in your beginning and will be there in the end. And you will come face to face with him. And everyone, the Bible says, will have to wrestle with that. So whatever we do and however we live each and every day, we will then be looked at and judged in a way that holds us accountable. So why are you here? Are you one of those people that are a marker saying, hey, there are godly people and good people? Uh, there's a radio station, I'm sure some of you guys have it on your playlist, Air One, and there's this, uh, in the afternoon, there's this guy, he always says, you know, the world is, you know, full with good people, and if you can't find one, be one, right? And so the idea here is, is that we need to be those good people. The Bible uses rocks all the time to signify things of God and in that there's altars built and there's stacked rocks and that's what God wants to do is he wants to take certain rocks in our life and he wants to take them and he wants to set them as a marker in this world to truly live and say this person is filling and living for the glory of God so he takes a couple of rocks and they build an altar and say last service it fell over by the way so Hopefully your prayer life is good right now. I knew this service was going to be better, huh? It's already better already. The idea here is that God is stacking rocks and putting you in places as rocks built in his image to show the world that you're, on, that you're a believer and that you're on the right path. And other people will follow that path because they're like, their life seems to be blessed even though they're going through suffering things in their life. Does that make sense? Amen. When we reject God Monday through Saturday and we replace his perfect will with our perfect way, we get rid of God and we get rid of the goodness of God and we live a life with no meaning and purpose. We're lost and wandering. And from Monday to Sunday, I see people constantly lost and wandering. And the truth is, occasionally I am as well. Lost and wandering, wondering, what am I doing and what is my purpose? But here's what Solomon receives. There's a, a book called Ecclesiastes. It's in the poetry section of the Bible, and that's near the Psalms, and it, it's a poetry, and it's called Ecclesiastes, and at the very end of the chapter, 12.8, uh, it says, everything is meaningless. 
That's the whole book. You know how many times it says it? It says it like 112 times through those 12 chapters. Life's meaningless. Jobs meaningless. 401ks meaningless. Raising kids are meaningless. Marriage is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It says, and then you go a little bit down the uh, down the end of the chapter and into the book. It says, "Here is now my final conclusion." Here's the conclusion that Solomon receives for this author. He says, "Fear God and obey His commands. For every this is everyone's duty." This is what brings meaning. He says, God will judge us from everything we do, including the secret things, whether good or bad. Ooh. That's how we're going to be looked at, and that's where we find purpose. Fear God. Obey God. And realize without that, you're living a meaningless life and not living the life that God wants you to. Verse 6 says, The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed. You know who the oppressed are? That's us. We're oppressed because we're trying to struggle with sin. The wicked don't care about sin. It says only a fool uh, says there is no God, and they're a fool because they don't have any morals or any purpose because they're not living for God. But the Lord will protect the oppressed, those suffering servants that live for the kingdom of God. The question I have for you today is what does the Lord want from you? For you? Not from you. What does he want from you? For you. Sorry, I keep saying from, but he's really for. Do you not believe the Lord wants the best for you? Don't you believe that? When I hear the Lord wants the best for me, you know what I think instantly? You know where my head goes to? He wants me to be healthy, so 25 pounds lighter and a lot bigger. And then wealthy, like I've got stacks of cash that there's constantly uh, I can spend at Amazon every minute of every day. And to prosper, everything I touch turns to gold. Gold, 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 gold. And everything in my life is just golden. Do you think that's what God wants for you? If you've ever been a parent or if you want to be a parent, here's what I know. As a parent, I have to tell my kids no a hundred times to one yes. Don't do that. No, we don't do that. No, 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 no. Why? Because giving my kids everything does not make them a good person in this world. You see all the wealthy people that have children that try and live a life or those that aren't wealthy, middle class, and try and give their kids everything. It doesn't make their life better. It makes it worse. Why do all the lotto people struggle? Because they get everything and their life becomes worse. Those that struggle and have been told no end up living a better life because they realize what? I'm going to be told no a lot in this world. The father doesn't want to give you everything. He wants to give you what's best for you. And a lot of times he says, I'm going to take this from you. I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to take this from you. And in that, I'm going to build you up and on the rock of Jesus Christ. And then when you have it all back, it'll be strong and you will be able to manage what God gives you back. The Lord wants to protect his children. That's what verse 6 says. He allows the wicked to prevail, but the children know that God wants the best for me. And God put me in jail, and God put me through trials and separation from one of my kids and struggle and fighting in court and losing every time only to get to a place where I know where I stand with my girls and my kids and my wife and my relationship with God. And all those trials have made my relationship with God that much richer because I I've allowed it to become part of who I am. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He doesn't want to give me the best. He wants to give me the best life, 
which is going to be suffering and trials and, and serving him and watching God g- kind of glorify uh, things that are a struggle so the world can see his beauty and glory. Verse 7, and this is the end. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? When the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy. Uh, Jacob will shout with joy and Israel rejoice. At the end of this, he's like, who's going to come? There's only one that's going to come. One day God is going to come back. And David knew that the Lord was his rock and that he was his salvation, his refuge, and that evil doesn't win out. You know what wins out? God. He is our deliverer. He's our victory. We sang that song that I'm a child of God and in the end there's great victory in Jesus Christ. That's what we cling to because no matter how evil this world gets and no matter how bad your life gets, God is the victor in all things. Amen. So what's the takeaway? Let me get to the end of the message. What's the takeaway? Man, I'm so grateful this message was different than first service. I am. But here's the takeaway. What are you going to walk away with today as we look at the rocks that I put up here? God wants you to be able to have a foundation that you can be stacked. He wants you to be able to see that you have been placed in this world for a reason. And so the first memory verse that I ever remember is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is the first verse that ever made sense to me in the Bible. Do you guys know what it says? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house upon a solid rock. That's the first verse I ever remembered. I remember reading it and I was in a jail cell and I'm reading through it and I'm like, huh, that makes sense. Everything else I read didn't make sense, but this made sense that I was not building my life upon the rock. But here's, here's what it says. Though, though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters will rise and the winds will be, beat against that house, it won't be collapsed because it was built on bedrock. It was built on a solid foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. They're saying there is no God. There is no rock to build upon. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and the floods comes, the wind beat against that house and it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up in Anaheim and so Newport, Huntington Beach. And it was very common. People that didn't build houses good during the rains would fall into the, uh, into the sea. And we get that in Malibu as well but those that built their house tied into the rock they can withstand whatever and that's what God wants us to do today realize that we are living for the rock of Jesus Christ and he is what we build life upon we build life through suffering in him when we reject God we are rejecting the meaning of life that he has for us when you aren't living for him Monday through Saturday you are rejecting him and his purpose you are building your life upon sand Monday through Sunday if you're not living for God every day when I stack my rocks they don't have a purpose if they're in sand but when I stack them on a solid foundation I have the ability to build them God wants us to build on Jesus Christ and that's our senior pastor that's our Lord and Savior he is the one that we get to celebrate so as we close today and know that our victory comes from him I want you to walk away knowing that you are stacked right where God wants you And maybe your rocks are a little wobbly today, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have the ability to shore it up a little bit. And if you need that today, he wants to shore it up for you. So you guys ready? This is when the spirit of God starts to work so powerfully right now. 
right before the worship and the end of the message and there's going to be a salvation prayer and there's this moment. Let's just ask God to speak to us right now. Holy Spirit, move right now. Stabilize those that are unstable. Heal those that are broken hearted. Heal those that have loss and are struggling financially. Father, I ask right now in your precious name that you are bringing forgiveness to that person that needs forgiveness. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for the spirit to move in a way that we've never experienced it before. And Father, for those that are lost and believe that there is no God, and if you're tugging on their heart, give them the ability and the willingness to say this, these words. And it goes like this. If that's you online or in this room, say these words. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. You died for me, and you rose for me so that I can have eternal life with you. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit right now. Be my Lord and Savior and be my victory in this world each and every day. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.